So as you would imagine, when it comes to a day like this, I have been praying about what to speak about. Good start, don't you think? So I've been learning some things. I've been to the academy. And so I've been praying about what God might have for us this afternoon. And one of my favourite passages when it comes to speaking about the presence of God is from Ezekiel chapter 47. And in fact, Ezekiel 47, that passage is something that I've spoken from many times in different churches that I've travelled to and I've had the opportunity to speak in. So if you've ever heard me speak on that, maybe in your, your church, don't worry, I'm not just going to preach the same message again this afternoon. You don't have to think, oh, I've heard it all before. Because I'm, I'm just going to refer to it. Um, because you will know, I'm sure, that the, uh, the passage in Ezekiel 47, uh, this, this vision that, that's written down that we have here, talks about the river that flows from the temple. And how many of you know that in Scripture, when you, when you read something like this that talks about a, a river flowing, actually it's talking about the presence of God. It's a picture that the Bible often uses to talk about God's presence. We haven't got time to read the whole passage here. I'm sure you know it uh, very well, the, the vision that Ezekiel, Ezekiel has. And I have to be very careful not to jump into my Ezekiel preach here because it's, it's one I know and, uh, and like very much. But do you notice as the river flows from the temple, it gets deeper and deeper, doesn't it? And um, becomes a, a river that no one could even cross. Then in verse 9, we're told that swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Anguilla to Eglam. There'll be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Where the swamps and marshes will not become fresh, they'll be left for salt. Then it goes on in verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And so you often find in Scripture there's this picture of the river of God flowing. And where the river of God flows, there comes life. That's what you see here, isn't it? There's fish and there's fruit trees and there's life. See, God's presence brings life. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's presence brings life. So for you in your life, it may not be trees or fish, but I wonder what is it that God wants to bring life to, maybe even today. The river caused salt water to become fresh. The NIV footnote suggests that the river flowed into the Dead Sea, the deadest place known to man. Nothing was able to live there. So what's this saying? Saying to us that God's presence can bring life to even the most dead places. The most dead things. The most dead dreams. God can bring life. Friends, do you believe it? Even this afternoon, I feel God wants to bring 
life to some dead dreams. See, God is a resurrection God, isn't he? He's in the business of resurrecting dead things. It's what God loves to do. And even today, even as we come to the conclusion of our day together, God wants to bring life to some things that are dead. So for you this afternoon, what part of your life has become dead? What dream has become dead to you? Where do you need God's life to flow? God wants to bring life this afternoon. Maybe you've been believing for something. You've perhaps doubted even that God ever said it. I just feel even in this moment that, that there's some life coming. There's some life coming. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I feel God wants to ignite fresh faith. Even, even in these moments, that there be fresh faith that life is going to flow once again. In a moment, we're going to talk about what gets in the way of the river of God flowing. But hey, just before we get there, I just want to allow God some time and space to, to breathe life. If that means anything to you, would you just raise your hand for me? If you're thinking, yeah, you know what, I just need God to breathe some, some life into something for me. Wow. Could, could you stand where you are if you're able to? I'd love to pray. Thank you so much. Wonderful. If you're, if you're near one of these dear people, could you just reach out your hands? and bless what, what God is doing, even in these moments. There's a step of faith that happens. Andy was saying earlier, when we stand up and respond in a moment like this, it's like taking a step of faith and it's saying, yes, Lord, I'm trusting you once again. And so, Father, I want to pray for these dear friends who have stood right now. And Lord, where there are dreams that have died or where there are situations that they've given up on, Lord, I want to pray in Jesus' name that you would breathe life afresh today. Lord, deeply held longings, maybe that no one else even knows about or understands, God, I pray for life to flow in Jesus' name. God, I ask you, would there be life afresh today? Please, God, do what only you can do. We thank you that you're a resurrection, God, in the business of breathing life. So would you do it, please, Lord? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Father, I pray that faith would rise today <clears throat> afresh. Where there's questioning, there will be trust. Where there's been worry, there would be peace. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hey, if you're receiving from the Lord, then you, you carry on. Don't let me interrupt you. But I guess for, for many of us here, I would imagine for most of us, if not all of us here, 
We want to position ourselves in a place where the river of God is flowing. Amen? So I'm assuming that about you. I mean, you've taken a day out of your life to be at a conference like this where you could have been watching a little bit of sport on telly or maybe somebody getting married. So I'm assuming that, you know, for you, you're, you're in a place where you, you, know, you want to be knowing the presence of God flowing through your life. So I was thinking about recently what gets in the way what stops God flowing through our lives? What is it that gets in the way? I want to show you a picture. Uh, there's, a, there's a place I go to walk and pray quite often. I'm not going to tell you where it is because um, it's my place. I go there. It's nice and quiet. And if 200 people turned up, it'll be less quiet. So I, I can't tell you where it is. But you've probably got, a, you know where it is, but don't you say anything. <laughs> And uh, on this walk, there is a, a, a weir. And uh, a lot of the time, it looks like this. And water flows at some speed from one level to another. And you can see the water is just flowing and, uh, and gushing, I guess, would be quite a good description. But on the next slide, you'll see that it doesn't always look like that. That sometimes it looks like this. And you can see there in the weir that actually right in the centre there's a whole section where the water isn't really flowing. Stuff has got in the way. Stuff has caused a blockage. I guess the technical and scientific term for this would be gunk. Has got in the way of the flow of the river and stopped it flowing in that place. And so I was thinking, well, what is it that can cause a blockage in the river of God in our lives? What's the gunk that can get in the way that stops water flowing through us and in our lives? Thank you for those. Well, I guess there could be quite a long list, couldn't there? Things like unbelief or cynicism, fear, lack of faith, sin, disappointments, unanswered prayer. I mean, we could probably make quite a, a long list. And there are lots of things to consider there, but for the sake of time this afternoon, we're not going to get through all of them. But there are a couple that I feel we should look at. In fact, for a bonus third one, I could refer to a session that Sarah did at the Academy just a couple of months ago, uh, where she talked about fear. And how fear can rob you of what God wants to do in and through you. And um, if you are at the academy, you'll know what she brought. If you haven't done it yet and want to hear the message, you have to sign up and come next year. And uh, I'm sure she'll be doing it once again. I haven't asked you that yet. Would you like to do it next year? She says yes. You saw that yes, didn't you? Do I see a hand now? I see a hand. Excellent. So fear would be one of them. And I'm not going to cover that because we looked at that uh, just a couple of months ago. But the first one I want us to look at in these moments we have together this afternoon is this one. It's unbelief. Unbelief. And I guess you could be sitting there thinking, but I believe. I'm a Christian. I'm here. I'm at a conference for goodness sake. But just, just bear with me. Just, just stay with me for a moment. Our first rock is unbelief. And it's actually a place where all of us start, isn't it? 
And so we all start in an unregenerate state before God. In a, in a place of unbelief. Before we've responded to his goodness and his grace. We're in that place before him. And at that point, you probably don't even realize it when you're far from God. But it's okay because that's your starting point. And it's where we all start. And on, the, on our journey of faith, we've all got to start somewhere. And unbelief is okay as a starting point. But it's not a great place to remain. It's a great place to start from. But it's not a great place to stay. You see, you can't grow if you remain in unbelief. You can't step out and trust God if you're remaining and staying in that place of unbelief. And the trouble is that many of us who describe ourselves as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as those that are seeking to, um, to follow him, we can get into unbelief as well. You might hear, for example, a message on healing. And you're thinking, oh, sounds good, but not sure I can really believe that one. Not sure if I can really get hold of that. You might hear about somebody's experience of God. Maybe read what has happened in their, in their lives. Or maybe hear a testimony like we heard a little earlier. And you think, well, that sounds great for them, but... I don't think it ever happened for me. And before you know it, you've got into to unbelief. You see, friends, this can be quite a dangerous place to be. It can stop what God wants to do through us. It's subtle, but it can be deadly. And the trouble is, if it's left unchecked, unbelief can lead to something else which is cynicism. See, unbelief, if not dealt with, can lead to cynicism. And I guess all of us have met cynical people, haven't we? All of us know what it's like to be around people who are cynics. They're not fun to be around, are they? You know, they're not going to be top of your party invitation list, let's face it. They're not people that you want to be with an awful lot. They've lost all their joy if indeed they ever had any to start with. And their cynical unbelief can spread like a cancer. Cynical people are like milk that's turned sour. If you, if you take some milk that has turned sour and pour it into a drink, then immediately the whole drink is ruined. And cynical people can turn a whole group of people cynical very quickly it's really catching it's really catching and unbelief if it's left unchecked can lead far too quickly to cynicism but let's let's stay with unbelief for a moment turn with me please to mark chapter 9 and uh, we'll just read a few verses together here in mark chapter 9 you have the the account here the transfiguration Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him, and uh, they're up the mountain. He's transfigured before them. The other disciples are left, it seems, at the bottom of the mountain. And um, when, they come, when they come back, when and Jesus and Peter, James, and John return, verse 14, they see that 
a large crowd has gathered round the other disciples. And they see them sort of arguing together. It's interesting, isn't it? They're, they're at the top of the mountain, a highly intense spiritual experience. They come down the mountain, and immediately their spiritual high goes into chaos. Doesn't that sound like our life sometimes? It's intensely spiritual, great uh, encounter with the Lord, and then before we know it, we're into chaos. It does seem to happen like that sometimes, doesn't it? So anyway, verse 14. Verse 15. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. He's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Healed. It's a passage that many of us would know well. This man has come to Jesus hoping that he would heal his son. The remaining disciples, those who haven't gone off with Jesus, uh, were unable to heal him. And so when Jesus returns, the man comes to him. Clearly there is some degree of faith here, isn't there? You know, the man has brought his boy to Jesus. There's got to be some degree of faith in that. Maybe it was faith mixed with desperation. But hey, many of us have been there lots of times, haven't we? And so he comes to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, would you take pity on us and help us? If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. And then we get this famous line from the boy's father, a line that many of us heard many times, and he exclaims, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Wow, how many of us have felt like that before? I guess all of us have. I do believe, but Lord, I'm struggling with this one. I do trust you, but right now it's hard. It's a rock of unbelief. And this afternoon, God wants to do some rock smashing. Are you up for that? You see, you can't stay in a place of unbelief. 
So where do you go with it? I think it goes one of two places. Either unbelief goes towards Jesus and says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Or unbelief goes towards cynicism and gets worse. I don't think you stay in a place of unbelief. It goes one or two places, Jesus or cynicism. Unbelief can be a rock that interrupts the flow of the river of God's presence. It can block up what God wants to do in your life and it can stop what God wants to do in his church. And unbelief is often rooted in not living in the good of who you are in Christ. See, God chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you before the creation of the world. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. You are adopted into his family. He chose you. The trouble is, we often forget who we are. It's like we live as orphans, forgetting who our father really is. It's like I was listening to a program on the radio this week uh, about people that had suffered memory loss. And it feels like as Christians, sometimes we can suffer memory loss and we forget who our father is. We forget who we really are in Christ. So do you know who your heavenly father really is? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who you are? A couple of years ago, Sarah and I went to see The Lion King for her birthday in London. It's a great show, a lovely time uh, there in London. And if you've seen it, you, you might remember the part where Mufasa, I can't, I can't get my words out this afternoon, Mufasa, the previous king, appears to Simba, his son. He's been running away from who he is. And the narrator type figure, Rafiki, has already told Simba that his problem is that he doesn't know who he is anymore. And then you get what I believe to be one of the most powerful lines of the show, where Mufasa says to Simba, remember who you are. You are my son. Oh, is that spine-shingling moment. Knowing that you're a son or a daughter changes everything. It changes everything. You're adopted into his family. You're not only saved by God, you become his son, his daughter. That means you come to him as your father. So let me ask you, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? This afternoon, I believe God wants to give a fresh revelation of who you are in him. What it means to be a child of God, a son, a daughter of the King of Kings. And it's like, even as we look at this subject together, even as we speak these words, I can see some rock crumbling happening in the spirit. It's like God's doing something because he's at work. It's his truth. It's his words. So how do you get the rock of unbelief out of your life? Well, in a moment, we're going to pray. That would be no surprise to you, I'm sure. But let me give you some practical things as well. 
Number one, identify with it and repent of it. Identify that it's there in the first place and be honest with the Lord about it. Ask him to help you with your unbelief, just like the father did in that passage we read earlier. I do believe, help me with my unbelief. But also be willing to move on. Be willing to take some steps forward. Now they might be only small steps to start with, but be willing to take some steps of faith. Be willing to move on from the place of unbelief. And if you've gone further and you've become cynical, then repent. Do the things you did at first. Come back to the Lord. So identify it's there, repent of it. And the presence of God, the river of God, number two, can smash through rocks in a moment. I'm sure you've seen pictures of of fast-flowing rivers smashing through everything that's before them. You know what? The river of God, when it flows, can smash through all sorts of things in a moment. And I believe God's going to smash through some things even this afternoon. But sometimes it's a process as well. Sometimes it's a process. And that comes about by allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you. It comes about as you read his words, as you worship, as you encounter the Lord, as you give him space in your life. See, being in God's presence is key to overcoming unbelief. Because it's in those moments that he reveals who he really is and who you really are in him. And number three, hear with faith. Hear with faith. Do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes we can hear things, can't we? But we don't hear them with faith. We hear them, but we don't engage our faith muscle. We hear them, but it doesn't do us any good. If you're particularly prone to cynicism, then it's, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to hear without faith. <laughs> so ask God to, hear, to help you to hear with faith. And then celebrate the stories of others. When we hear testimonies and you hear what God has done for other people, celebrate and rejoice for them. Something you have to make a choice about, isn't it? I feel like that. You have to choose to celebrate with others. Even if you haven't got your own stories to celebrate just yet. So this rock of unbelief. I feel God wants to do some rock crashing now, even in these moments. Any of you feel like there's a rock of unbelief that tends to hang around in your life? Any of you relate to that? Why don't you stand if that's you? We're going to pray real quick. Rock of unbelief. For any of you, you think, ah, oh, is that something that, you know, you can see? Yep, oh, that gets in the way sometimes. Why don't you stand if that's you? We're going to pray. Well done. I'm going to pray for the river of God to come and smash your unbelief. You know the drill. If you're near one of these folks, lift your hands. Just ask the Lord to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Heavenly Father, we ask right now that the river of God would come and smash through any rocks of unbelief right now in Jesus' name. Lord, even in these moments, Lord, I pray it will be the start of you doing something significant in unbelief going in Jesus' name. So we speak to these rocks and say, be gone in Jesus' name. We speak to unbelief and say, you have no place to hang around here. Go in the name of Jesus. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you come now and bring fresh power, fresh faith in the Lord. And God, we say, would unbelief go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. It's like when a rock is smashed, there's often some debris around. And it might be the Lord needs to clear out some debris. And that may happen in coming days and weeks. So I want to encourage you to keep coming back to him on this. I believe rocks have been smashed this afternoon, but you may need to do some debris clearing as you, as you take steps forward in faith and, and trust him once again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Okay, well, I said we're going to look at a couple of things. That was the first one. The second one is this, unanswered prayer and disappointment. Unanswered prayer and disappointment. And I think for many people, this is not something they've considered very much. I guess most of us go through life at, at such a pace, there's so much going on in our world that we rarely have time to take stock of some of these things, to properly process our feelings and, and work out what's going on. The vague feelings of disappointments or loss or confusion are pushed down to the depths of our being to be dealt with on another day. But the trouble is that other day rarely comes. And before we know it, we've got a whole load of these pushed down feelings of disappointment or unanswered prayer or loss or confusion. And before we know it, we can be dealing with an emotional train wreck. Up until the time I was married, I think it's fair to say that I was not a particularly emotional person. Sarah would ask me questions about what I felt about something, and I would need the, the question explaining to me, what do you mean, feel about something? I wasn't used to, to such questions and such language. She has helped me immensely with these things. And I'm learning, I was going to say learnt, I'm learning to express feelings. I'm sure she would say, still learning, and there's a long way to go. You don't have to nod, nod quite so vigorously. But, <laughs> but I think for many of us, for many of us, unanswered prayer or disappointment can be similar. If it's not expressed, if it's not dealt with, if it's not processed, if it's not handled well and consequently therefore not healed, it can be a rock that accumulates in our life. 
I have a uh, propensity, it seems, in my body every now and then, though not recently, praise God. In the past, I have had, I should rephrase my language carefully, I've had the propensity to make kidney stones. And kidney stones happen when lots of, uh, as calcium, I believe, comes together uh, and forms. And what starts off as little bits sort of join together, and then they start to cause problems. So when there's tiny little fragments, you know, they're, they're not such a, a lot of pain, really. When they decide to sort of gang up together and create this bigger rock, then uh, that can create some pain and discomfort. It becomes a difficulty that needs dealing with. And you know what? I think unanswered prayer and disappointment can be similar. It's a few little things that on their own you might think, I'm not a lot of trouble, not a lot of pain. But suddenly when they're added together, these little fragments have become a whole rock. And kidney stones, if you've had them, when they hit, boy, do you know about it. And the rock of unanswered prayer and disappointment, when that begins to fall, it can become a pretty stubborn and dangerous rock. So let me get you thinking about this personally. Are there things that you have prayed about or asked God for that haven't yet happened or seemingly haven't yet been answered? I guess all of us would say, yeah, there are things that I haven't seen answers for yet. So how do you feel about that? Do you like that? That's a feeling question. I had a bonus point there. You're asking, not answering. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I thought you were my friend. <laughs> so how do you feel about that? Are you cross at God? Do you feel he owes you something? Or is it all okay? What's going on in your heart? What's going on on the inside? Many people don't like even to admit that they may be like this or perhaps disappointed with God. But the truth is we often expect life to go better than it sometimes does. And then we just end up disappointed or perhaps offended with the Lord. I was speaking at Jubilee uh, last weekend about how you handle things when Life doesn't go as expected when life doesn't make sense. You need to take it to the Lord. You need to take it to God. Some of us, like me, will even need help in understanding how we really feel and then need help in processing it. But listen, before you think that I'm spouting some psychobabble, let, re, let me remind you what the Bible has to say about this. You know, some of our Bible heroes were pretty honest with the Lord. They didn't hold back from saying what was going on in their hearts. I mean, for example, David in Psalm 22, he says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. That's pretty honest, isn't it? And think of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Cries of anguish, but cries of honesty. 
And the truth is that God doesn't owe us anything. Actually, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. So anything we receive from him is a gift. We don't deserve it, but it's a gift that he freely gives in Christ Jesus. So this pain of unanswered prayer or disappointment can be a bit like a prison. You feel like you're trapped in it and can't get out. Maybe it feels like a dungeon of times of old and you certainly can't see any way out. Disappointment or offence at God for not doing something or maybe indeed for doing something is a self-enforced spiritual prison. And who wants to stay in a prison all their life? Anyone? But the reality is many of us do. And often it's a prison of our own making because we haven't got free. We haven't got through on things. The reality is that many of us can be trapped in these places for, for years, not knowing how to get free or how to move on. The reality is that we sometimes don't understand. But you know what? We're not called to always understand. We are called to trust. James MacDonald says this. He says, you can't trust in the Lord with all your heart if you're trying to depend on your own understanding at the same time. You can't trust in the Lord with all your heart if you're trying to depend on your own understanding at the same time. So I said that this rock can shipwreck you and cause major collateral damage if it's not dealt with. Why is that? Well, it's because of this. See, very quickly, disappointments can turn to bitterness. Disappointment can turn to bitterness. Unbelief can turn to cynicism. Disappointment can turn to bitterness. And that's really nasty. It's like a flesh-eating disease that will get you from the inside out. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Bitterness grows. The writer of the Hebrews says this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root causes, uh, sorry, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It causes collateral damage to others. See, no one sets out to be a bitter person, do they? Nobody wakes up thinking, well, I'm going to be bitter today. I want to be a bitter person, be better at being bitter. That's not what we start. And so it's another reason to nip disappointment in the bud early on. Disappointment can take you out, can affect a church. Bitterness that it turns into can be how awful. And before we pray, and we're going to pray in just a moment, let's briefly consider sarcasm. Bill Johnson calls sarcasm the defense mechanism of disappointment. Ouch. Do you default to sarcasm? You might say, hey, that's just my sense of humor. I'm just like that. Well, maybe it points to some unresolved disappointment in your life. Maybe this rock of disappointment has lodged itself. I'll be honest with you. I used to be terribly sarcastic. That used to be my default 
sense of humor. And it probably had its roots in some unresolved disappointments. And even when the disappointment was resolved, I was still left with sarcasm. And so it was something that God had to deal with. And sometimes something that God still has to deal with. So friends, if that's you, it's often some, a sign of some unresolved disappointment. And you know what? It's time for the rock to go. I once heard somebody say that disappointment disappoints you. You are appointed by God. He appoints you. So don't allow disappointment to disappoint you. God has appointed you. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You have been appointed by the Father. So don't allow this rock to rob you of what God wants to do. As I was praying this week, I felt that for some of you here, this rock of disappointment you feel is like a whole boulder that you're carrying round. It's like a, you know, a ball and chain you've got on almost. It's attached to your leg, and wherever you go, this great rock of disappointment follows you, and you can't seem to get free of it. I feel that God wants to do some more rock smashing and to set you free from it. And as well, I felt that in this moment, as we talked about from Ezekiel a little bit earlier, where the river of God flows, there's life. But do you notice in Ezekiel 47, it's unexpected fruit at unexpected times. And I felt that the result of the rock smashing this afternoon would be unexpected fruit at unexpected times. So you know the drill by now. If this is you, if you're thinking, yeah, you know what, I can, re I can relate to that. That makes sense, Graham. I can see some unanswered prayer, some disappointments, maybe lodging itself, becoming perhaps even in, in, into bitterness and sarcasm, I don't know. Why don't you stand and we're going to pray once again. Unanswered prayer and disappointment. If that rock has got your name on it, why don't you stand and we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Father, thank you that you are in the business of rock smashing. And now, Lord, in these moments, we pray that if there is a rock of unanswered prayer and disappointments, that it will be smashed in Jesus' name. God, we pray that the river of God would flow right now and destroy these rocks. And Father, I pray that any boulders that have been formed and have attached themselves to people here, God, we speak an end to that.
And Lord, I pray now that unanswered prayer and disappointments would go in the name of Jesus. And God, you would bring freedom in a way that only you can. And so, Lord, we give you these dear folk. We give you our friends who have stood. We say, God, would you bring freedom right now? Whatever the disappointment is, God, I pray that the hope would be found in you. Not just in circumstances changing, but that all hope, security, and joy will be found in you. Lord, I pray that people would once again know who they are in you, son and daughter of the living God. And I pray that they would hear the voice of heaven appointing them afresh this afternoon. Lord, where disappointment has disappointed, we appoint afresh in Jesus' name. And God, we pray now for unexpected fruit at unexpected times. And say, God, would your river flow? We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. These rocks are liable to build up in any of our lives. And none of us are immune to this. So I want to encourage all of us this afternoon. Ask God to help you with these things. If it's unbelief, ask God to help you with unbelief. Realize who you are and whose you are. Look for stories to share and rejoice in. Celebrate other people's breakthroughs, even while you're still waiting for your own. Because if you don't, your heart can become hard and the rock of unanswered prayer and disappointment can start to form. So don't let your heart get hard. Proverbs 28, 14 says, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. I want to suggest as we finish that a rock is much easier to deal with than a hardened heart. So don't allow your heart to become hardened. Because God's grace is sufficient. It really is. His grace is sufficient for all and every situation. I feel some of you need to hear that this afternoon, that his grace is not just sufficient for others, but his grace is sufficient for you. His grace isn't just sufficient for the person next to you or the person behind or in front of you. His grace is sufficient for you. All that you need, you find in him. All that you need, you find in him. So let's stand together, can we? We're nearly through on our day. Our time is nearly gone. 
but I'd love us to finish in the same way as we started, by worshipping the Lord, declaring our love for Him, declaring His goodness and His grace. And if you feel that God has started something in your life this afternoon, or even today, I want to encourage you to talk that through with somebody, someone you know and trust and love. Because all these things require us to continue to walk in the freedom that God has given. And it may be having somebody with you that can pray with you, that can encourage you in that journey, I would suggest you would find tremendously helpful. So Father, we thank you for what you have done today. We're so grateful for your goodness, your kindness and your grace. And Lord, we say that which you have started, would you bring to completion. Rocks that have been smashed, we say, God, would they not return? And would debris be cleared? We say, God, would you continue your work in our hearts? In order that, Lord, we might pursue you over and above everything else. And God, as we pursue you and you meet us afresh, that God, we would find unexpected fruits at unexpected times, that our lives would be transformed, our families and churches would be transformed, the communities we live in, the towns, villages and cities we are from will be impacted by the goodness and the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, your presence would flow through this land and the nations. For your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together. us today. God, I thank you for talking with us, talking to us. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would go out today as changed people. Lord, that we'd be more passionate when we go out than when we came in today. Father, I pray that we would all just encounter you afresh. Lord Jesus, I pray would you be with us as we travel home. Lord, I pray meet with us in church tomorrow, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray you'd give us good weeks, Lord God. Father, I pray you'd give us opportunities just to love people with the love that you've given us. God, we just say... All the glory be to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We've really enjoyed the day. I do trust you have uh, as well. If there are testimonies and stories from today, we would love to hear them. So please do let us know. Uh, you can send them through to the, the Jubilee office, uh, info at jubilee.org.uk. We'll get them to us. We'd love to hear stories of what God has done today. And if that's indeed, it may be months to come, like Amanda was in touch with Andy throughout the year, then uh, again, please do get in touch with us, let us know that. Uh, you can book online for the Academy now, and uh, you can book in for next year's conference very shortly. We hope to see you at one of those two events. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. <laughs>